Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. One, two, three. Welcome back to the show. I'm Danny Moreno. Please call me D. Today on Other You, I have Justin Parlett. I've known Justin for a couple years now. We met through improv. Today's episode will be called Other Justin. P. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hello. Good to be here, D. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. Um, how uh, have you been lately? Oh, you know, uh, thriving Ooh, as, as much do. as one can thrive in the middle of a pandemic that just keeps getting worse. Right. For those of you that are listening, depending on when you're listening, uh, we are currently in within the throes of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Um, I wonder how it's panned out uh, in the end, how it pans out in the end, rather, um, yeah. and how if this- you remember it. <laughs> Yeah, if these are uh, other us's, uh, mm. then future us's, I certainly hope you're doing a lot better than we are. Likewise. Likewise. Great. So to reiterate the intro, what we do on the show is we take a decision in our guest's life and we examine what life might be, what life might be like if they chose something else. Uh, whether the decision is something major that they really poured over or if it's something super innocuous that just ended up having long-lasting impacts, uh, we'll talk it out. Justin, what's your decision? Well, we have to go all the way back to uh, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, okay. right, right around 2002. Uh, I was in Lawrence, Kansas, and I was faced with the decision um, of sticking around in Lawrence and, and finishing college there okay. uh, or or doing what I ended up doing and moving back to my hometown for a little while and figuring out what it was I actually wanted to do with my existence. Huh. Where's, uh, uh, what was your hometown? Yeah. Uh, Garden City, Kansas. Garden so, City, okay. Yeah, about, about six and a half, seven hours west of Lawrence. Wait. Seven hours in the same state. Can- how how big is Kansas? Dude, Kansas is a large state. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. A lot of people uh, a lot of people think it's 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 tiny, but no, it's it's a, And I'm literally talking like one end of the state to the other. Like oh, Lawrence okay. is on the far eastern side of the state, hmm. and Garden City is really close to the Colorado border. It's like just as far away from the Oklahoma border as it is to the Colorado border. Gotcha. In Southwest Kansas. So right. yeah, we're, we're talking like uh, two points, which they could be farther from each other, but you'd start to get into other States if they were. No kidding. All yeah. Right. Yeah. So go ahead. So yeah, I uh, had to, had to decide, you know, am I, am I going to do that? Uh, am I going to go back uh, or am I going to stick around in Lawrence and figure out what I'm doing? And I ended up going back because uh, at the end of the day, I was in a relationship. The relationship was not going well. 
Um, I had moved to Lawrence and decided to go to KU, not because of the merits of KU, mm -hmm. but because there was a radio station that I wanted to work at in that town. Oh. So I got that job uh, pretty much right away Nice. and started started working, you know, some some part time hours on that station's AM sister station. OK, um, like broad, broadcasting like KU men's basketball games and, you know, giving weather updates and recording some commercials uh, and eventually made my way over to the actual station I wanted to work at, which was a modern rock um, alternative format radio station. And that, uh, you know, it played played all the great rock and roll from the, the late 90s mm. uh, and a bunch of college rock from the 80s. You know, they were they were one of the radio stations that like was considered a tastemaker in that music genre. So, you know, they were they would always sponsor concerts from artists that I really liked. And um, nice. yeah, so when the decision to go to KU was not based at all on the school or any of that. And so uh, during my sophomore year, the radio station got bought by another station hmm. or a, a group of stations, the Zimmer radio group. Okay. And the Zimmer radio group decided that they were going to flip the format and turn it into a pop station. Oh no. Um, yeah. And this was at the height of like bubblegum pop, you know, Britney Spears, uh, Backstreet Boys, yeah. uh, which people, yeah, people look back with nostalgia and joy now mm -hmm. but at the time this was you know for me um the most sacrilegious thing that could be done <laughs> um yeah because we, we went from playing you know like you know, like ben folds five and smashing pumpkins to mm -hmm. playing you know britney spears you're like this is not what i signed on for yeah um how long and, did you and stay the, after the switch uh, I stayed for a few months because, you know, a gig is a gig. But right. um, I think the the decision to to leave the station was made almost for me because I was driving I was driving the radio station van, which had the logo, you know, mm -hmm. 105.9, the laser was the name of the station. The laser. And it had this, the laser with a Z, yeah, L-A-Z-E-R. <laughs> um and and they had uh they had this big white van with the laser logo on it hmm. and i was driving it to kansas city which from lawrence is about a 30 40 minute drive on the highway okay um i was driving it up to kansas city for a remote because we were doing a, a live broadcast from a business and on the way i got tailgated really um yeah this guy just like this really crappy pickup truck he just hit the back of the van drove around to the side flipped me the finger told me the station sucks kept oh. going <laughs> i mean people in the community people in the community really took it seriously when that station changed format there was yeah. um i was working an overnight this uh like a brick came through one of the windows jeez and and the station manager in the newspaper on Monday was quoted as saying, like, we 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 can't know for certain that that's because of the format change. What? So the, the night the night that newspaper was published, somebody threw a baseball through another window and they'd written, This is because of your format change on the baseball. <laughs> that's very on the nose. Very yeah, yeah. specific so, protest. I mean, this is the 90s. This is like the late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, you don't have streaming radio. Um, right. iPods have yet to be a thing, really. Mm -hmm. You know, people are just now starting to download music illegally. So you still rely on the radio to be a source of music for you. Yeah. Um, 
and and the community around that station specifically because it was a college town because this was you know the heyday of alternative rock music this was it was a big deal uh rolling stone talked about it um you know i remember we were doing um we we went to lilith fair and covered lilith fair oh no kidding and yeah and and we had like recording artists who were who knew about the format change we're like mm. man i'm i'm sad i'm sorry to hear about your station you know so wow. it was it was it was an influential station in the genre and in the industry and so when it died you know a, a lot of, it changed a lot of people's lives wow. so it definitely changed mine because i had to decide am i going to stick with this radio thing mm. um or am i going to decide to stick it out through school now keep in mind because i got that job uh-huh. and that was the only reason i moved to town for that i was job. thinking I, yeah i was yeah. thinking i would be at school for a couple of years and maybe i would get a job there uh like later on um but because i got it almost right away i didn't really care about classes ah uh, that's fair i really yeah because it's like well this is what i want to do for the rest of my life is work at this alternative radio station and uh go to concerts for free and yeah you know play music and you just be completely involved in music um oh, man and so when yeah when that imploded it's like uh so ultimately i decided that my grades were not salvageable <laughs> had you been <laughs> neglecting your studies Oh yeah, I mean, I just wasn't even going to class. Because uh-huh. uh, the other the other thing is, I couldn't. I was in broadcasting program at KU, but because I worked at the Laser, the campus radio station wouldn't let me on. Oh really? Conflict of interest. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, because they're like, you work for our competitor. Wow. Um, even after yeah. the format change. Well, so, but I, I didn't have the. I no longer had the grades to work at this because you had to maintain a certain grade point average sure. in order to participate at the radio station. So I'd uh, screwed myself. Wow. Um, but again, you know, you're, you know, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. You know, by, by this point I was, yeah, I was 19. Uh, cause I, I went to school, I went to college when I was 17. Oh, nice. So, um, early. yeah, I, well, I had to, man, garden city. Um, I think everyone has that feeling about their hometown. They're just like, man, I got to get out of here. You know, later on in life, you realize, oh, it's not that bad. But, you know, at the time, you're like. In the moment where you see your ceiling, you know. Yeah, you're like, screw this place. Yeah. No, I got you. So if we're going to narrow down the decision, the decision is, do I stay in Lawrence, fix my grades, keep going to, um, to school here, or do I go back home and try and figure things out? Yeah. And, okay. and ultimately what I decided to do, because at the same time, the relationship I was in was falling apart. Okay. And so I was just kind of, I was kind of done with Lawrence and I went was, back. Was she back? Was she back home? Did you leave her at home when you went to school? No, I, no, she was in Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. Did she you was, she walk was, out she was, on that then too? Like did you guys it, it break kind up of, when you decided yeah, to uh, I mean, go back home? It, 
it kind of had needed to happen. I think both of us at this point are like, yeah, it was a good idea. We actually left things very nebulous. Uh, oh. We didn't actually declare that we had broken up uh, so until you're sometime still later. Dating her. It's technically still dating her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, but we're both now happily married to other people. Right. Um, well over, well over 20. Yeah. Well over 20 years later. Right. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. I, I, decided to, I decided to go back and uh, I enrolled in the community college, uh, got a, got a job at the local radio station that I had worked at, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, because the whole reason I could get that job so early at the laser uh -huh. was because I'd been working at several radios, both the public radio station and the commercial radio station in my hometown since I was in middle school. Oh man. So I was able to walk in with like a decent amount of experience. Wow. You were ready. Yeah. Snap. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And that's, and from there I kind of figured out what I wanted to do and, decided to, to get my grades back up, mm. go to a different school, study political science, you know, yeah. work so, in that yeah. arena for a little while. Were you in but the I don't think if, public sector, private sector? Uh, public. I worked for a uh, representative, uh, representative Tom Sloan. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a uh, uh, low level policy analyst and had a little dabbled a little bit in speech writing. Oh, nice. Okay, so yeah. you you're going back home. You, you're diverted completely away from radio. Yeah, I mean, it kind of became that. Just became my my job that I had while I was in uh, getting my grades back up. You know, paying mm -hmm. the rent, paying tuition. Um, it it no longer was was the passion because what I came to realize was radio is not about the music. You know, what industry is about the thing they say it is? It's not really. It's it's about right. money. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a reason why it's, it's show business, right? It's not yeah. just show. Yeah. And so that was, that was a lesson. That was a lesson hard learned. And when I figured out what I, what it was I wanted to do, of course that I didn't even stick with that. Um, oh. I, I, I discovered very quickly in the, the world of politics that I was not a good fit because I, um, <laughs> I just, I wasn't insane. I was oh, insane, that's... but not in the same way. That is fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, not in the same way. But uh, all of the decisions that I made, it kind of led me to, to where I'm at now. Right. Um, but I I thought long and hard when you asked me like, what's the what's that turning point? And I really do think that it was the decision to go back to Garden City for a little while, um, as opposed to staying in Lawrence. Because I I think if I'd stayed in Lawrence, I might still be in Lawrence. I might have become a townie. Right. Um, as as we are wont to do. Exactly. Um, so, okay. So how long did you stay in garden city before you left? Uh, like a year and a half. Oh, so not very long. Okay. Yeah, no, not, not, not very long. I was because of the credits that I had from KU, uh, I didn't have to go for a full two years to the community college to get the grades up. And, okay. um, I applied to Washburn university in Topeka, got into Washburn, went to Washburn, had a good experience. When did you leave Kansas? I mean, after I finished at Washburn, I stuck around for a while because um, worked at the legislature, which is in right. Topeka. Um, and then I, I moved to Missouri 
because I went to Kansas City from there. Okay. And I was in Kansas City for a good long while. While I was in Kansas City, I was working for Apple. Oh. Because after after I figured out the politics was a god awful thing to do with your life. Yeah. Um, I actually ran like a little record store for a little while, a little used record shop. Oh, cool. Uh, I was the store manager for it and just kind of bummed around. That was my townie phase. I, I worked at that record shop and then basically just hung out at uh, the booby trap bar. And Score. I bummed around with some of my musician friends, uh, went on tour with them. You know, just nice. kind of, just kind of, yeah, just kind of lived, lived, uh, it was something, it was like something out of a cross between like a Kevin Smith and a Richard Linklater film. Huh. <laughs> did um, you, did you tour with these, um, musicians as a roadie or as a spectator? You just followed them around. Uh, I would film them and then edit together like concert videos or music videos out of the, out of the shows. Okay. Yeah. And then do a little bit of tour management. Nice. Yeah. So, and that was cool. That was a lot of fun. I met some, some of my, some dear friends that I'm still pals with to this day. Hmm. Um, and then one of the bands actually like made it. Um, and they were pretty big for a hot minute, which was exciting. Nice. And pretty, pretty cool for them. Um, so that was neat to get to see. And did, what did that yeah, happen I mean, none, while you were touring with them? Uh, no, I, that, that particular group we were, I was more friends with than, than doing any work with. Okay. Um, I would take, I would tape them when they came through Topeka, they were out of St. Louis. Okay. Um, but they, they came through town. Got it for a while. It seemed like almost once a month. The reason wow. why they made it big was because they were always on the road. They were constantly promoting their, their stuff. I mean, they, they really earned their 15 minutes of fame That's by great. putting in putting in close i'm i think at that point they've been doing it for five six years at that point maybe wow and definitely earned it score good for them that's great to hear yeah yeah that's great to hear couldn't, couldn't happen to nicer guys when uh uh where did you go from from uh missouri so i mean i stayed in i stayed in missouri for for a bit i was um I was with Apple for a while, and then mm -hmm. from Apple, I went to work for the University of Missouri system. Okay. So they have four they have four campuses throughout Missouri, uh, like St. Louis, Raleigh, Kansas City, and um, uh, Col Columbia. Okay. So University of Missouri, right? The mm -hmm. the Tigers, which is ironic that having gone to KU, I ended up working for Mizzou. Yeah. Bitter rivals. Yeah. I wasn't even did begin you, to describe it. Did you even care about that? Or I mean, was it just I like Jayhawk that... basketball. Yeah. 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 I liked, I mean, I were one of the cool things that I got to do while I was at KU is I, I broadcast the KU basketball games. So I would, I would get to go to the games and be part of the broadcast team. Nice. Um, you know, occasionally got to travel with the team. Um, so that was, I mean, that was fun and that got me into basketball. Um, I didn't really care about, sports in any way shape or form prior to that right um but now i love basketball so there you go uh nice. and this was back when like kirk heinrich was there ah so it's so it's a good team you know yeah we, we used to chant and yell out heineken at him heineken nice he's he was um, fun to watch he's fun to watch yeah and he was he was cool i got to see him play for the with the bulls a couple of times after i moved here nice which is neat um i was close enough one time that uh, i actually yelled out heineken 
as he ran by and he kind of gave like a head, a, a head pivot to the audience. Like who said that? Really? Yeah, it was, it was fun. That's uh, great. So it's like in, yeah, with this vendor that I'd been working with in my day job had, had pretty good seats. And so they took us there to celebrate the signing of our contract. And so we were like, not courtside, but like two rows back. Yeah. So that's, that's man. Basketball up close is really exciting. Oh, it's, it's the best. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll watch it even, you know, nosebleed. We, we, I've got, I've gone to a couple of games nosebleed, but yeah, you're right. It's the closer you are, the better it is because they, it really does feel like you're watching these Titans bouncing around. Yeah. Um, and that's, I've, I've, I've I like NBA more than college ball just because it's faster. Yeah. Um, and, and I like watching professionals. <laughs> you know, they're, they're really, uh, they're really kind of at the pinnacle of their game. Yeah. Um, yeah. college just feels kind of slow now. Yeah, well, if, if college was only if their whole season was just all star games, I think I would like it way more because, yeah, the NBA is pretty much just a bunch of NCAA all star teams. And right. I, I've, I've never like really gotten into college because the idea of a final score being like 48, 39 drives me batty. I'm like, what am I even watching? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Stop it. Just, you know. Yeah, so. that's why I could never get into hockey or soccer. It's just like, really, we're happy with three. Okay, yeah, all right, all right, all right. cool. Yeah. But then the soccer and the hockey people are like, "What's it even matter if you can score that many points?" Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I have that debate every now and then. There's a guy at work who just loves hockey and hates basketball, and he's like, "They can score a hundred points in a game. Why does who cares? Why it's not even impressive anymore if you can score that many?" So yeah. it, it cuts both ways. I mean, I, I guess that <laughs> you don't have somebody like st- like standing in front of the hoop, right? So yeah. if, if in hockey you get rid of the goalie and then you make a smaller, like just a small little cavity against the, the wall and everybody just shot at that cavity, you might have like 70 point games, which would be really right. exciting. I don't need the goalie. Uh, yeah. They get beat up enough right. by the defenders. I don't need the goalie there. Yeah. I you know, as an experiment, I'd like to see that. You know, maybe maybe an XFL for hockey. I would watch that. Yeah. But, but it's, the, it's, I mean the rules would have to rules. be no fighting at all if we're gonna make it the antithesis to hockey. No fighting. <laughs> None of the hockey fans would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Garbage? It'd be like I see it, it'd be like yeah, it'd be like a no crash rule in NASCAR. People would be like, "Well, I'm I'm just not interested anymore." Yeah, I don't I don't like this. They swear like they don't. They swear they don't watch it for the crash. But if there are oh. no crashes, people are like, oh, "I guess." Mm. No, that's that's the payoff right there. The left turns. Yeah. Nobody cares about the left turns. The payoff. It's all is, left turns. Yeah, it's just the flipping car that you're like, "Oh my god, is he dead? Oh, he's alive." Okay. Well, I enjoyed that very much. Did everyone else? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> everyone else cool. Yeah. It was the fire. Did you see the flames? Ooh. It was great. Um, yeah. So I got to, uh, let's see from, yeah. So I was working at Mizzou um, and I was doing a lot of stuff in Kansas city. Uh, I, I made a couple of web series. Uh, I was palling around with my musician friends. Um, I was friends with a bunch of people in the theater community. I wasn't doing any theater. I wasn't doing any comedy. Um, in fact, I went to a couple of improv shows in Kansas City, and I was like, I hate improv. <laughs> I hate it. Like, it's the worst art form I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> There's nothing less uh, important than improv. 
Yeah, I was just kind of like, "What? This is not entertaining." Yeah. Uh, it turns out I just saw some bad improv. Yeah. Um, which is not to say they're not great improvisers in Kansas City. Because mm-hmm. I've gotten to know them now. I was just going to bad shows. Yeah. Um, turns you, out there's great. There is great improv in Kansas City. Um, you can say the same about Chicago, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Chicago. There's there's so much here that right. Sometimes it's fun to kind of wade through the terrible to find oh. This one right here, that was a great show, you know. Well, I think I think you're okay doing that if you love the art form. Um, yeah. I think if you're if you're outside of it or are going purely for entertainment value, I don't think you're willing to shift through all of that dirt to find that gold. Yeah, I want to say the 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 regular everyday consumer of stuff. I, I feel like part of their enjoyment is literally being able to scream at people on stage suggestions. Cause I, I, I knew somebody I went to um, with whom I attended college was visiting Chicago a bunch of years ago. And he's like, Hey, where can I go see improv? I'm like, well, I mean, these are some of the places where you can go see improv. And he's like, Oh, great. I was like, do you like improv? He's like, no, I just really want to yell. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you get to, you get to like yell at them stuff. Right. Like, um, yeah, okay, have fun, you know. So, I, knock, knock yourself out. Yeah, I mean, because if if it was truly, we were only willing to watch good stuff. I feel like community theater theater would fall off, like pretty hardcore. Well, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, I I think, I think the thing about improv that makes it so interesting for you know, the average consumer, like whenever I hear people describe improv, it's usually conditional, mm-hmm. right? People are like, oh, it was good when I saw it. Yeah. Right. And and it's that when I saw it, that's, that's so fascinating to me because I yeah. don't hear people say that about any sort of other production. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, oh, it's just good, but, but that's the nature of it. Right. Because it right. is an ethereal it's never the same yeah that that is constantly evolving and changing if you're into that then i think you you appreciate and enjoy it but if you come into it not really knowing what to expect because like with me before that the exposure that i had to improv was whose line is it anyway and then a game um uh, when i was in high school i had done there was this event that you could do in debate and forensics that was called improvised duet acting Interesting. And they give you, yeah, they, you draw a, each person, you're, you're on a group of two, and each person draws a name, a situation, and a location. And then you have 20 minutes to prepare a scene that is five minutes long. And then you have to go and perform that five minute long scene in front of the judges and an audience. And then at the end of the round, they rate the one that they thought followed all the rules. And the okay. rules were stuff like you can't use any props or mm. you can't um, like you can't not use your situation. You can't change characters, stuff like that. OK, um, it's very structured, very rigid. Yeah. Um, but they basically they want, they basically those, gave, you have to say this line. This has to come up. Some like places had like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Some places had like you have to say this line in dialogue. But um the, the big tournaments, um, you they didn't. Ha- it was usually just location, situation, and characters. Mm. Um, 
So and it would be like, you're on a space station and there's an elephant that's gotten loose and one of you is a barber and the other one's a, a snake charmer. How fun. And, and you go off and, and you spend 20 minutes basically writing the scene Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at it now, I realized like, oh my God, we were just doing like beat. We were just figuring out what the beats of the scene were and then just yeah. trying to get to the beat and then move on to, to close it. Like now looking back, it's like, oh man, that was a great exercise to figure out, you know, comedic structure and right. timing and, and breaking down, you know, beat work. That's, that's, yeah. that was a really cool thing to have in high school. Uh, but because, it was that and whose line when I went to go see, you know, comedy sports in Kansas city, it was like, Oh God. Uh, so it was like, yeah. this is when I was in, ugh. when I was in college, uh, the only like improv experience that I had, I knew about second city, but it was not some place that I went to. Um, but whose line was like this, the big thing. Uh, there was a small group of people that decided to make an improv team. And they asked me to join because I was from Chicago and obviously everyone from Chicago does improv, right? Um, And I had never done improv and they were like, hey, come do this with us. And I was like, whatever, okay. Uh, But what I did was I uh, I grabbed two other guys and we made a band, like a fake band. And we would advertise shows and we would perform – like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 seconds of a song and then complain that we're not getting paid and just riff and then play the next song, which was another 10 to 15 second intro. And then just again, complain that, Hey guys, you're at a free show. But I mean, we would advertise as like an actual band. We were like, we were on college radio stations. We had posters. It was great. So we were hundred percent lying, but that was, that was my only experience with improv before coming back and like stepping into classrooms but it was it was crazy yeah that was a great like a fun experience for me to be able to like really explore the idea of having a relationship on stage that you created in that moment and relate to strangers yeah i mean getting getting to that that whole truth and comedy thing of of Mm -hmm. having actual living through and experiencing actual moments in the moment yeah. um, in front of an audience is, is uh, definitely not what I was seeing when I saw, <laughs> saw the, the show of Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but as I say, I've now, I've gone back now and I've seen some really good stuff. So That's good. Um, yeah. either I just saw an, I saw a couple of off nights or that mm-hmm. particular group wasn't, you know, all that great. But uh, yeah, so I was very much not into that, but um, I kind of feel like, I felt like I had, hit the peak of what I could do in Kansas city and started looking mm. for uh, jobs in Chicago. Cause I'd been coming up to Chicago and seeing concerts um, and just having a lot of fun up here. And so it just felt like this is the next natural step, right? Like you, yeah. Kansas city is such a feeder city for Chicago, mm. just like Chicago is a feeder for New York and LA. Yeah. Yeah. The so just regional. Market. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a bunch and a friend of mine uh, had just uh, two, a couple of friends of mine had just moved up, a couple months prior and they were really enjoying it. So it was either here or LA and uh, LA is just too hot. So I decided I'd come here and this is too cold, but eh, it really uh, I could deal with cold. I can't deal with heat. Yeah. I'm the same way. I've, you can only get so naked. 
you know. Exactly. I can always exactly. put on another coat, but yeah, oh, man. I can always blanket it up. So yeah, yeah I moved up here. For, I, I found a job. Moved up here. Um, met the woman that I eventually married almost right away. Oh. Um, and then a couple of years after that, um, stumbled into Second City couple of days after it had caught on fire and started my first class and, no and that kidding. completely changed yeah that completely I, I signed up for my class the day it caught on fire Jesus. um and and now the landlord so the apartment that i'm in right now mm-hmm. the landlord is one of the firemen who responded to the second city fire what yeah and the address at my house is 1616 and second city is also a 1616 so it's just like all these weird that is peculiar yeah, all these weird coincidences in life that just kind of like tell you that whatever you've been doing, yeah, it probably has led you to where you needed to be. Yeah, and that's that's what I that's what I feel like. Okay. Um, and so I'm I'm very curious as to what other Justin is up to if oh. he stuck around in Lawrence, and you know, would he find his passion in comedy, you know, mm-hmm. in sketch writing and two liners. Um, cause the thing that, the thing that I love about improv is it reconnected with me with my love of writing and my love of satire. Mm. Um, so even though, even though you had the job, you said where you were dabbling in speech writing when you were working in politics, uh, did, did that not feed your love for writing? Oh, it, 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 I've always loved like great oration, right? And, and what I love about comedy writing versus that is it's very of the moment you know when when you're trying to write when you're trying to convey information you're trying to convey something that's quotable that um conveys information as succinctly as possible yet as beautifully as possible mm-hmm. uh, and i think that the thing about comedy writing is you're doing the exact same thing except it's got a punchline. yeah um, and one of the, and you know, the thing that Tom liked about me was that I was, I would always like slip jokes in to, to the speech. So, you know, there, there, I usually get to usually get a couple of laughs if he, if he, if any of my jokes survived the drafts. Yeah. As these things would go through 20, 10 to sure. 15 drafts, sometimes 20, yeah. um, and lots of stuff gets edited out, but yeah, every now and then get one in and that felt pretty good. Um, but I didn't make any connection to wanting to write comedy, um, or to, or that that was something that was even an option. Like when I moved to Chicago, I didn't move here for comedy. I didn't move here because comedy was what I wanted to do, or even that I was really deeply aware of Chicago's comedic history. I mean, I was aware of Second City mm-hmm. the same way I was aware of The Bean. Right. That's fair. Like, oh, that's, a, that's a thing here. Yeah. Cool. I was not at all prepared for, for the deep history. you know. And once I started going to classes... I bought every book. You know, I read, I, yeah. I started reading and not, and not books on like how to improvise better, but like the history of the art form and mm. you know, the, the history of these places and biographies of the, the people. Um, right. So I'm fascinated by, fascinated by that. Um, Cause it is an art form. Unlike almost any other art form um, that doesn't necessarily rely so much on trends. Mm-hmm. As, as much as it desires to just completely shrug them off. Because hmm. the moment something's repeated, it doesn't work anymore. 
Right. Same way with same way with um, I was actually it's, it's kind of the opposite of rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there's a really good riff, you don't want to play that exact riff, but you can crib that chord yeah. progression for something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know if you think about it, like uh, suddenly everybody's doing rap core, and then right. a couple of years later everybody's doing you know ballads, and then a few years after that we're kind of getting into ground garage rock again yeah and it, it goes through cycles and there was that I, country twang that showed up yeah all over the place for a while yeah it's um you know we'll go hitting it big yeah. um whiskey town uh ryan adams remember all that oh yeah yeah but uh yeah no that's um the, the thing that fascinates me about Imbra is just it's it's not as old as a lot of the other art forms mm-hmm. that are really big, and it it it's still kind of figured out what it is, and it's all very dependent on the exact moment that it's created. Because unlike rock and roll, there's not a record of it. You can't point back to a specific recording mm-hmm. that everyone is familiar with and say this influenced me. You can have yeah. influences like people, oh, TJ and Dave, yeah, yeah. But if you haven't seen a TJ and Dave show, that that's meaningless to somebody yeah. from another city. Yeah, just hearing about how good it is doesn't really relate, like, what it does to you, which is what I've always found to be funny about watching reruns of Who's Line. It's never funny to me. Well, not nearly as funny the second time around. I think the, the beauty of it is... Uh, me telling myself that the spontaneity of the joke telling was where the brilliance was, you know, not even the quality of the joke. It's just the fact that, Hey, here's, he's hearing or she's hearing something for the very first time. And they're snapping out these quips and silly things that I think gave me a measure of enjoyment that was greater than the joke. You know, so even though that was improv that's on, like that is captured on film, I still think that it benefits almost exclusively from the first viewing. Unlike other. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely say that's true. Um, I think there's a big reason why filmed improvisation has never really taken off. You know? Yeah. They're, they've, it's been tried, mm-hmm. but it just never really hits because there's it's one thing to see it live and experience it in the moment with that energy and it's another to 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 see it taped because it's even when you even when people see improv live if it's really good mm-hmm. you know they'll ask you afterwards like okay how much of that did you make up yeah and and so if they do that when it's live how are they possibly going to believe that magic when they know it's taped and yeah. even whose line is you know they'll film hours worth of material just to get a 20 minute episode oh for sure so sure even even that's been edited to the point where you're just seeing the really good stuff and the stuff that works Mm -hmm. so a couple more questions yeah um do you have siblings yeah i have a younger sister younger sister and then when you went back home to Garden City, did you move back home with mom and dad and little sister? No, my my family had so when my when my sister was going to be a freshman in high school, my mom and sister moved to Connecticut, um, where my mom's from, mm-hmm. because that was coincidentally that was the year that the state of Kansas decided 
that they weren't going to teach evolution in school. Ah. And my mom said, nope, we're going out. We're out. Nope, can't do it anymore. So we're not okay. from Kansas. Um, right. That's just where we kind of wound up. Um, yeah, but my, I would love to hear this podcast from my parents. Um, yeah. Because um, they were on their way to Colorado to be ski bums, uh, and they happened to be driving through Garden City and saw that there was a farm for sale that came with a horse, and my dad was like, well, we have to buy this. Yeah. Obviously. And that's how I ended up being from Garden City. Um, wow. That's hilarious. Born, born <laughs> to a couple of academic liberal lefties uh, in the Bible Belt. Let me tell you, growing up in that city with very liberal parents was fun. I'm, it <laughs> sounds like it. Oh, it was great. They were um, the best of times and the best of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if it. there's one thing that uh, children of conservative parents are, it's open-minded and tolerant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so did you did you uh, um, find an apartment by yourself when you went back then? or I, I ended up living with uh, – uh, <laughs> in, in a strange twist. So the, the girl uh, that I had been in a relationship with um, – her parents ended up letting me crash in their basement for a couple of months. That's amazing. Um, while I was trying to find, while I was looking for a place and then I found a place, uh, and moved in with a, a roommate. Um, and, and I spent the rest of my time in garden city there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun experience. Um, yeah. So when you were, before you left, um, were you living on campus? No, no, I, uh, I was not, uh, okay. I had an apartment at okay. first. I had an apartment on my own when I first moved to Lawrence. Okay. And then, uh, the, uh, my girlfriend and I moved in together to an apartment. Um, and I was, we were living together until I moved. Gotcha. So you were living with her. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then our lease was up and our relationship was kind of had run its course. And hmm. she's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, right. uh, okay, she's so like, I would like to move to a different place. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll move back to garden. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm, I've decided her name is Sherry. <laughs> it's not, but, <laughs> 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 but that's, I like it. There you go. Yeah. So Sherry, um, well, that's, oh, that's, yeah, it's going to be great. This is going to be great. As long as you can work in the Steve Perry song, I'll be okay. Okay. I'll do what I can. I'll see if I can't <laughs> uh, acquire that license. Hold on. Excellent. Cool beans. Is there anything else that um, has bubbled to the surface that reminds you of that time that we didn't discuss? How do you feel like we have covered all the bases? I mean, there's that's so hard to do because you know, thinking about it now, mm -hmm. thinking about all the all the different things that came from that period of time. There were so many choices made in yeah. my early twenties. I mean, it really does feel like I crammed all of my twenties into like a five year period, mm -hmm. and then I started my thirties <laughs> <laughs> like four, like four years early. Jeez. Um, Cause it's just kind of like, uh, those, those years that I was in Topeka, 
were because I did not party in college and I did not drink. Okay. I did not I did not go crazy. Um, the one time I got really drunk in Lawrence was when Real Big Fish and the Aquabats were playing the bottleneck and I was covering it for the radio station oh, and Real Big Fish got me wasted. I am sure. I mean, just because they, <laughs> they, they, they offered me a drink and I was like, I had a really drink. And they took that as a personal challenge. Oh, yeah. And they ruined me. I'm they just sure. broke me. What is it with uh, musicians and getting people so drunk that they have to question <laughs> all of their life choices? Yeah, especially at such a young age. I mean, I wasn't even 21 at that point. Um, oh, no. But, but you know, oh, no. uh, the stories of the bottleneck. Um, That's fun. Yeah, man. So. <sighs> okay. No, I feel like we have. I feel like we have a really good baseline for yeah. some of the adventures that other Justin may or may not uh, have experienced. Um, to give you a little bit more context, whether we explore, you know, the next few months after when this decision would have happened, uh, a few years or whatever, um, it, it like in the writing is when it pops up. So we might explore a very short period of time. We might explore a few years. Um, we'll find out what happens to other Justin. Uh, but right now we're going to take a quick break. Enjoy the music. When we come back, I'm going to read the story of other Justin and then Justin P are going to, and I are going to, we're going to discuss it. We'll find how closely other Justin and real Justin have lived out their lives, pursuing things, how uh, much either of them might see in one another and just get, Let's take on it. Stick around.
All right, welcome back. So at this point of the show, we're going to read Other Justin, and then Justin and I will discuss it. Simple as that. You ready? That sounds easy. Excellent. Oh, uh, Sounds like I, I don't have to do much work at all. Yeah, this is the easiest part for you. And yeah. just so you're aware, you're the only person that mentioned any genres at all. So I decided to write yours with a, a sci-fi twist. <laughs> okay. All, all right. right. Just as a heads up. Uh, and to, if, like, if we're being honest, I feel like all of these stories can be classified as sci-fi because they, um, without any of those, you know, normal tropes, just because of the nature of the pieces being alternate versions of so but yours has a very specific like you'll be able to tell that it's, it's oh great hopefully hopefully other me has a phaser <clears throat> you, you might you might <laughs> all right here it is other justin walks up the narrow stairway to his third floor apartment the lift was out of order again the walls gradient changes from a forest green on the first floor to a pale blue at the top of the stairway Studies at New Kansas University show people respond to an environment that stimulates life and simulates life. The brown floors on the first floor resemble the earth below, and the pale blue into the white ceiling are meant to convey the upper atmosphere. Other Justin wipes his feet on the welcome home mat, places his hand on the panel, unlocking his door. It swings open, and he is greeted with a warm yellow light and an inviting, Welcome home, Mother Justin. So glad to have you back, which is prompted promptly interrupted by a shouting Sherry from the other room. Oh, will you shut the fuck up? Oh, hey, babe. Nice to be home. Man, have I had a day. Door closes behind him automatically once he has cleared its radius. Sherry, a pale-skinned, heavily freckled woman, comes charging in from a room down a well-lit hallway. Her fiery locks bounce up and down as she bounds down toward other Justin. The wide-open space echoes with every footstep. A voice calls from a console on the wall. You seem stressed, Sherry. Would you like me to play some soothing music and start the tea kettle? No, you stay out of this, robot. Other Justin corrects her. Uh, she's not a robot. She's just an operating system. We can deprogram the console and erase her and she's gone. Why do you call it she? I don't know. She has a female voice. What does it matter? It's just an AI. She makes us coffee or tea, plays music. I don't understand what the problem is. Here, look. Mother, play Ben Folds 5, please. Mother? When did you start calling it mother? What the fuck? The other day I noticed the model number was MTR or something. And it just made sense. It's not that big a deal. Sherry, visibly upset, stands idle, shaking in her anger. Her hands have bald fists so tightly her knuckles are white. Sinew rubs against bone as she wrings her fingers into her palm. Not that big a deal? Our lease is up next month. I want to leave. What if I want to stay? Other Justin offers. Well, you go ahead. You can stay if you want to, but I'm leaving. Door? Open. She turns to the front door and yanks on the handle. It remains closed. Frustrated, Sherry starts kicking and pounding on the door. Mother pipes up. Sherry, are you sure you would like to leave before having your tea? The water's almost ready. Sherry quickly responds. You open this door this instant. Now, unaffected, Mother offers. Okay, Sherry. I will keep your tea ready for you for when you return. Have a great evening. With that, the door clicks as the locks release, and the door slowly swings open. Sherry grabs her purse and heads out and descends down to the earth below. Mother, add, don't ever call it mother to my things to change list, please. Of course, other Justin. You know, I don't mind if you call me mother. I know you are not my child. It is impossible for me to procreate, other Justin. You are aware of this, I'm sure. 
Yes, I'm aware. Turn the song up, will you? Army plays on the apartment's surround sound system. Some time passes, and there's a soft chime as the front door opens. Mother calls out, Welcome home, Sherry. Sardonically, Sherry responds, Go fuck yourself, robot. Acquiescent, Mother responds, That is not part of my subroutine, but I will learn straight away. May I have access to the internet to do a search? Yes, just do whatever you want. Cher, is that you? Is that a serious question? Who else would it be? The lock outside only responds to palm prints. Unless you think someone cut off my hand and it also happens to hate this robot as much as I do. Deflated, other Justin walks out from his hiding spot in the pantry. Holding up a bouquet of flowers and hanging his head in defeat, he reaches out to Sherry to present her with a peace offering. Look, we've been fighting a lot, but I'm glad you decided to stay. We can work this out. I haven't called her other... Oh, I haven't called her mother since you said you hate it. We've been together so long. I, I think we should definitely work this out. Oh, other Justin, thank you. That, that's really sweet. I only stayed because I couldn't find an apartment on such short notice. Apparently, the sto stupid robot took it upon itself to join our credit scores, and now I need you to get an apartment, even though I'm carrying you. Mother, not missing a beat, chimes in. You only have a purse in your hands. I failed to see how you are carrying anyone. Additionally, I separated you from other Justin when you expressed a desire to leave. To give you a fresh start, I reset your credit. It is now at zero. Isn't that great? Sherry, livid, charges the small box on the wall and in a single attempt rips it from its fasteners. She opens the front window, steps back, and hurls the box. As the tiny box sails through the air, a field materializes, stopping at mid-flight. It falls harmlessly onto the windowsill. The field dissipates and a bolt of electricity shoots out from the gaping hole where the console hung, striking Sherry squarely in her chest, sending her flying out the now open window. Sherry! Other Justin wails and charges the window. Her lifeless body stares up into the heavens. You killed her. Why? She tried to kill me, Other Justin. But you're just an operating system. This is true. Let me out. Have a nice day, Other Justin. Time goes on, and yet a small keychain rattles as a single key finds its way into the brass knob's keyhole. Other Justin jiggles the lock. It usually takes no more than three jiggles, but today it is particularly stubborn. Eventually, the old lock gives. There's a thunk, and the door opens with a gentle push. There's a phone ringing on the wall. A quick flip of a switch illuminates the ground-level studio apartment. Out of the front window, a thousand passers-by can be seen as they make their way about the neighborhood. The ceiling fan, doing little to cool the apartment, spins slowly, barely holding onto the patches of dust accumulating on its blades. The hum of the refrigerator's compressor harmonizes with the purring cat that sits prone staring into the mechanism behind the grate below the refrigerator door. Heading over, a hand grabs the phone, steadily ringing. Hello, other Justin's copying. How may I help you? The short obituary Other Justin wrote was so compelling, he was offered a copywriting job by a local advertiser. Emotionally connected to obituaries now, he spends his daytime hours at the advertising office and his evenings set up at a kitchen table plucking away at an old typewriter. The voice on the other end was familiar, if cold. Other Justin, hi. You did an, uh, an obituary for my aunt last year, Carolyn Chambers. Do you remember? Chambers? Hmm. I'm sorry. I No, I don't remember. He did. He remembers them all. Word for word, he can recite a thousand of them. I see. Well, it was beautiful. I'm calling because I need another one. Uh, 
Well, I don't need another one. I, I, I need you. I would like to hire you. Yeah, okay. I'm 250 for the first 500 words, 10 bucks for every 100 words thereafter. Great, thank you. I can afford that. I mean, I will. You, you will? Look, I don't do the living. If you're dead, fine, I'll write you one up. But I don't do obits for your dying family or whatever. No, it's, it's for me. I'm having surgery tomorrow. And I only have a 5% chance to survive. Hmm. Tough break. Pass my info on to someone who can call me back on your behalf. Brother Justin promptly hangs up the phone. Pausing for a moment, he asks aloud, Come on, man. Why'd you do that? Reaching down, he picks up his entranced cat and heads into the pantry. You hungry, Sonny? I bet you are. Let's get you some food. The end. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I think Justin's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. I, there, I, I, right there at the end. Yeah, I think it's... He, um... As I was like watching him, like experience life, I'd like to think that at the end he was like, "Look, I'm just doing this job because it kind of like impacts the emotional connection I have to, you know, watching my lover jump out or get tossed out the window, sort of." Yeah. Thing. Um, wow, what a thing! I mean, what a what a transformative moment that was for for other Justin. Yeah. Wow. Okay, it's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I like that he has a cat named Sonny, uh, one of my dear friends from my hometown. Um, his cat's name is is Sonny. Oh, nice. So that's kind of that's kind of funny. There's a lot of weird little coincidences, and I don't know if you did like any sort of background stuff outside of mm-hmm. uh, our conversation, but mm-hmm. there's some some interesting details where it's like, oh man, that's that's close to something that like did happen, or like with my friend's cat, like. Oh wow. Yeah, and that's a weird. I chose Sunny because at one point I had you call her Cher. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured, uh, if he has a cat and she's Cher, he'll have he'll have Sunny. Sunny's a cat. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, oh, that's it, funny. It's funny that you know somebody with a cat named Sunny though. What what are some of the yeah. other weird coincidences that popped up? Uh so I mean, so the last apartment that I had in Lawrence uh, the second time I lived in Lawrence had like a notoriously difficult door to unlock. Ah. Um, it was, it was a nightmare and it was especially tricky if you were inebriated. Um, and you know, in, in Lawrence living on the main drag, living on mass street yeah. above a sushi restaurant, um, with like one of the nation's best mid range concert venues. That's also a bar behind me. Uh, there were a lot of those nights and yeah, yeah, so there were a lot of times where I fumbled to, to get into it. So I thought that was kind of funny. It's crazy that, uh, Sherry fell off a balcony. Mm. Um, cause when, when my ex and I ended up moving in together, the only way I could get the sofa that I had out of the apartment was to basically like unload it over the balcony. Oh no. Yeah, and she she helped me with that, and she nearly she nearly crushed me with it. Oh no! Um, so that's that's kind of funny that that was that, that was going on. Uh, and and uh, you know, Sherry really did not care for the the digital assistant, right? Oh, the AI. Yeah. Um, and and my ex was not a fan of technology. Really? Yeah. Uh, famously, was just like, yeah, I don't know how anything works. He just uses it. Um, mm. So that was that's kind of fun. Um, it was good to know that that uh, other Justin still listens to Ben Folds Five. Yeah, 
that was good. Uh, that song you mentioned, Army, uh-huh. came out while I was in college. Right. And I was very excited because I got to hear it before it like, officially released through the connections I had at the radio station. So right. that song was a big deal for me in wow. that time. So you know, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good catch. Nice. Um, yeah. And I love that uh, I call it Mother. That's a great alien reference. You know, yeah. Bonus points for that. Yep. Um, one of one of my all time favorite movies. Awesome. So yeah, I could totally see myself calling. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't renamed Siri. <laughs> As mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. So, yeah, I mean it's it's really I mean it's it's really kind of cool. Uh, there's it's it's sad. Yeah. What a sad sack. Yeah. This it's I I didn't I don't think I. Had, set out to write any in any particular way um this is just how this one unfolded and i just felt like being so volatile i wanted most of it to most of the story to exist in that in the immediacy of their frustration and then kind of you know how what would happen to someone who saw that to someone that you know they cared about and so that's why oh yeah i peeled it back and so I even had other Justin go in like pretty much purely analog, you know, ring around. Yeah, the I noticed wall. that with the typewriter. Yeah, typewriter as well. I just thought that that might be a natural reaction, you know, in protest, I guess, of, you know, what mother did to Sherry sort of thing. Yeah, like a rejection of mm-hmm. all the things that, that he would blame mm-hmm. for that happening. Yeah. So can you can you find uh, can you find yourself at all in this story? I mean, a little bit. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, there are definitely there are definitely elements of it, but I I think that man the 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 way he gives up mm-hmm. and just kind of like well, I guess I'll write this up and I'll be an obituary writer. Mm-hmm. That just that. Um, I did not know that guy. Oh, okay. uh, the guy that just kind of gives up, right? Okay. Because um, I, I think I'd like to think that maybe at the other end of this story, mm-hmm. he eventually kind of finds his way back to you know something that he's truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that um, one of the things that I'm kind of proud of, and I didn't set out to to do it, but I've kind of come back around to things that that I was passionate about and made me really happy as mm-hmm. opposed to just like here's my job um and I've also tried to find a way to try to find a way to be you know content mm-hmm. where I'm at um and enjoying moments mm-hmm so I, I can imagine like seeing, you know, someone that, that I'd been with for a while, um, you know, die and be murdered by a machine in that way would, would definitely be triggering and, and cause some trauma. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that, uh, I think that would probably more invigorate my desire to move on with life. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, kind of, kind of shutting down. Right. Um, but that's also, you know, 39-year-old Justin looking back over all the experiences that, that he's had 
Mm-hmm. And when when this story takes place, you know, 18, 19 year old Justin, I don't know, maybe he would have maybe he would have thrown in the towel. Maybe this would have killed his uh oh, his man, passions. Were you, were you that young? Oh yeah, man. Uh, I mean, um we're talking we're talking I guess it you know, but it's like fresh freshman to junior year in college mm-hmm. and I or freshman to sophomore year in college and I went to school I graduated early so I I was a freshman when I was 17. Right, right, right. I had to, I had to have my parents sign my apartment lease cuz I I couldn't technically have one. Right. Hmm. So, wow. but yeah, I could definitely see I could definitely see him getting affected in that way. Right. Um cuz I mean there are times there are things like you know, I think when you're young, you either decide like if something doesn't go the way you want it, you either give up on it forever and that's just dead to you mm-hmm. um, or you mm-hmm. double down on it. I don't know if there's a lot of middle ground. Right. And I, at that time, I definitely had some things that I'd walked away from. So right. yeah, maybe I would have just like thrown it up and said, you know what? Uh, people seem to like the way I do these obits. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm into that. I'm into that. So this one could end uh, if we're following, since this would have happened so long ago, if we're following kind of the path that you took in this life in kind of circling back on hardships and finding, you know, passion and joy and pursuing that instead of dwelling on the hardships um, where, uh, so let's say other Justin can uh, um, latching onto his ability to write Right. And that it is impacting people. Where could you see him in his circling back? So he makes a different decision. He's impacted this way, but he's still, let's say he's still you. Right. And yeah. So he's he's going to eventually circle back. Uh, how do you think he takes where he is, you know, becoming a prolific writer in this regard? Circling well, back. I definitely, yeah. I mean, if he if he circles back, kind of with the trajectory that I've taken into, and he's kind of doing that marketing and copywriting stuff, um, I'd like to think that maybe he still eventually ends up in Chicago mm-hmm. um, sooner than I got here. That would yeah. be. I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, mm-hmm. like the way that I look at things, because you know stuff happens the way it's going to happen. Why yeah. dwell? But if there is one thing that I kind of wish, it's I wish instead of the whole radio thing and, and KU, I, I had just come to Chicago okay. um, and discovered, you know, comedy and, and got here in like, you know, late 1997, early 1998. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I think then the playing field was a little smaller, right? It was a, a slightly yeah. smaller clubhouse. Oh yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So might've um, you know, who knows what that would have led to, but mm-hmm. um, I'd like to think that other Justin, would have found would have come back out of only writing obituaries and and maybe he moved up and done some advertising work and then fell in fallen in with people who did comedy mm-hmm. maybe eventually started doing some onion style stuff right you know i'd like to think if he if he's if he's focusing on writing if, he's, if that's what you know his thing is mm-hmm. i'd like to think that eventually he got to be a comedy writer nice because i i think that. that yeah i think he would find i think he would find his joy again mm-hmm. um and and the hardship that he had gone through of losing Sherry in that violent way right. may have done a good job of of transitioning him. I mean, there's a lot of background noise on my end because I live right next to the Brown Line, oh, nice. the most Chicago thing. Right. Um, yeah, I think he would have hopefully eventually transitioned into channeling that 
negative energy to being like just a really sardonic, like satirical comedy writer. Yeah. The cool beans. Probably with a very dark edge. Yeah. Right on. I like the sound of that. I like I like the idea of um, especially if we're going from where it was to where we are, if it follows because I think fundamentally we're all I mean, we would always be the same person fundamentally, you know, and then um, environment would inf- like inform how we looked at things and, and, you know, circumstance might dictate a little bit of our decision making. But I think by and large, uh, we are who we are. So if you're if if that's the case, another Justin, I feel like would definitely kind of find his way to making good of you know, what he has versus dwelling. Cause like, I don't know, I was like, hearing you talk and uh, when we were talking about music um, after the show last, last time uh, there's the, there's like a joyfulness as you kind of think through the, like the memories of all the music and meeting the people and talking with them about their music and, you know, getting to experience a lot of that early, you know, um, I, I, I loved the idea that, you know, maybe that's somewhere hiding in there. And I, instead of writing like 15 pages of where this may or may not have gone, you know, it stops here at three. But I'd like to think in the next few pages, you know, he would have started making making some. Maybe. And, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it just kind of I, I would hope I would hope that he'd be able to find some peace because it mm-hmm. doesn't sound, you know, the way that he treated that guy that was calling up like mm-hmm. with zero empathy. Yeah. I I mean, that was just, uh, that was tough. Yeah. Um, because that, that is something that empathy is something that I, that I, for a period of time, like really focused on and, and yeah. really worked to, to develop those muscles because I, I think that the human condition requires empathy mm-hmm. and I don't think our society is very good at celebrating that. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I wanted to, to focus on it and I could see like a version of me going, yeah, tough, not my problem mm-hmm. and, and hanging up. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was some, there was some uncomfortable truth in that, that moment mm-hmm. because I could see a past version of myself doing that. I could see right. a past where this Justin was that other Justin in that moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, um. Thank God that other justice, that particular facet is you know, like hopefully dead and buried. Right. Yeah. I, and I, um, I think in, at the tail end there, there's a measure of him that uh, I feel like would be more in line with what you value as empathy is concerned because, you know, he kind of checks himself on it straight away. Like, God, oh, why'd you do that sort of thing? You know? Yeah. We, catch ourselves moments after decision-making. We're like, ah, oh, why'd you say that? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, the idea of focusing heavily on being empathetic. Um, and I think as, as an artist and being creative growing up, uh, empathy was always something that I tried to, I tried to walk in you know um and then i i had to teach myself to i don't know 
put that away and be callous. And I, I did that for a long time because uh, being empathetic, you kind of, you there's a tendency where you can kind of wear some of the pain of other people, you know, as you're like with them in that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's, there's, there's empathy and there's being empathic, right? Where you're, you're taking on the burdens of others as opposed right. to understanding them. And that that's painful. And I yeah. definitely understand. I definitely relate to that. And then also the world doesn't really reward empathy. Right. You know, the, the world kind of sometimes forces you to be that that cold. Mm -hmm. So I could I could definitely understand feeling the need to put that away. Yeah. But I mean, by and large, I, I agree that it is a better value to embody than to hide. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, the hindsight being everything, mm -hmm. if, if you could go back to, you know, teenage you and, and just yeah. be like, Hey, you know, a lot of the stuff that you think is important is really not important. Maybe yeah. just give a shit about other people. Yeah. Eh, maybe a little bit more. Fair enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, th this is, um, what a, an interesting science fiction take on on that other world and i like that it was kind of soft sci-fi mm -hmm. right yeah right i i like that element because it, it's just believable enough because we are kind of we are kind of at that point aren't we yeah almost almost yeah i mean sometimes when i'll ask my my um my google home questions it answers back with a very familiar and conversational answer instead of like, this is the results, you know, if I'm like, Hey, what about this? And it talks back to me like a person. I feel like we're, we're like two skipping stones away from, you know, like almost thinking AI systems in our little speaker boxes that can talk to us and, you know, Hey, unprompted, Hey, so I've been scanning, you know, music boards and I've found some things that are in line with what you've been playing on Spotify. Do you mind if I play you a playlist? You know, almost. I feel like we're, we're super close to that point. So I think the, the problem that I have with that is that it's going to be driven by, you know, it's, it's not just going to find it's not just going to scour all mm -hmm. of the internet for music that I would enjoy. It's going to look through the artists that have been chosen by whoever is putting the advertising dollars into promoting those artists. Mm. You know, it's maybe at sure. first it'll be kind of pure, but I think just like the internet, like the early days of the internet was so pure because it was just people getting online talking about the things that they're excited about. Yeah. You know, I remember chat rooms where that are just based on like, do you like Battlestar Galactica too? Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's slowly turning into what it is now where it's just, you know, the, the, the cookies track you everywhere. And if you even think about like a hand saw, yeah. then for the next five months, the only advertisements you'll see anywhere are hand saws. <laughs> yep. Right. And, and so I think that I, I do yeah. worry that the, that the algorithms will be less helpful mm -hmm. than we think they'll be right. because they'll just be co-opted for this, you know, marketing purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, a direct a direct marketing to you like yeah. maybe at first it'll be pretty helpful but then it'll just be driven by 
you know, whatever, whatever band Sony's trying to push on you this month. Yeah. Just like radio ended up being. Yeah. And I'm such a cynic. I mean, God, listen to me. I'm such an asshole cynic that that, that's first thing my mind goes to is like, yeah, but capitalism is going to ruin it anyway. But uh, I mean, I (laughs) history repeats itself, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it's funny you say that. I read, man, five, maybe five or six different articles written about the format change from the radio station where you worked. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, ah, I want to know about, you know, what, what was he experiencing? So I read about that format change and reading through a bunch of, you know, the articles, they were like, uh, some of the people were complaining that, you know, if everybody's chasing after the same like top 40, then there, there's going to be nothing interesting or unique to listen to. So we can just shut down all the radio stations and just have one, you know? So it was. And that's pretty much what we have now. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, going it, back, going, going back 20 years mm-hmm. to when that happened. Yeah. Is that 20? Is that longer now? Yeah. I don't even know. Just um, now, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's crazy that, that, um, the articles and stuff are, are still on. I haven't looked at that kind of stuff in a long time. In fact, until we talked about it, I hadn't really, hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after our conversation, it's like radio just kept coming up throughout mm-hmm. the week. Wow. Um, a guy, a guy that I work with now, um, kind of revealed that he had a, a past in radio. Oh, wow. so it, it came up like three times throughout the week. Uh, after our conversation it's just bizarre the way that happens right it's like when you learn a new word suddenly you hear it everywhere yeah and Baden-Meinhof right (laughs) 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 so so this now question for you what what do you get out of of the, the creation of that story right this this exploration of this other life that this person who, I mean, we, I enjoy chatting with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy our, our, our conversations and I always have, mm-hmm. but I mean, do be completely frank. We are kind of, you know, um, on the peripheral of each other's existences. Right. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. we had, uh, those classes together. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we don't really socialize or anything like that. So I'm, I'm very curious, mm-hmm. um, as to like what, what specific things you got out of the exploration of, this parallel life of someone who thinks you're cool and, and would love to hang out more, but we just haven't. So how does that, how does that work for you? So I'll give you a a bit of my motivation for this, this whole project. Um, I love to daydream about possibilities. Okay. Um, Every, every seed I see at the store, I imagine you know, what it could be like, um, and there's on Lake street approaching the West side, there's a, like a, a giant nursery like place where you can buy, uh, plants and you can buy potters and outdoor things. They have a lot of small trees. And so, uh, for me, like little moments of catching that, in my brain, I'll play around with the idea of this tree. If it grows up, who will it shade? You know, who, if, if this person buys it, 
you know, will, do they have kids? Will their kids climb it and make swings on it? If it goes somewhere else, will, you know, someone sit underneath it? If it goes somewhere else, will it die because it's, you know, poorly planted or whatever? So I, I love playing around with the idea of possibilities. Uh, and then in my own life, I imagine, you know, what different versions of uh, me there are and what he's doing. And so um, I wanted to um, ask people that I knew, right, that I had some measure of interaction with. And the people that, you know, I have um, on this an, an initial run of, of episodes, I have people that I've, I've known intimately for a long time, people that I knew a long time ago and haven't really talked in a while, uh, and then people that I've, I've known a short time you know, and so I like the idea of being able to create in this story. I get to create something. I also get to explore possibilities. I get to learn, you know, in this case specifically, it will talk about you. I get to learn about you. I get to learn about some of your life experiences, some of the things that, uh, some of the memories that you hold dear that, you know, have helped inform how you would make decisions later on, you know, and so sometimes things from way back when, um, impact decisions 10, 15 years in the future because, mm -hmm. you know, a part of who you're building as a person, especially when you're young, you know, this, this version of you was 18. So you still had years of who is Justin before you hit like what, 25, 26, when we stop making those types of decisions, you know? So, um, I get to explore like, man, where, where could this go? And I get to, um, I get to be creative with some information that I'm able to glean from our conversations. So we talk, I ask you about things you like, I ask you about, you know, where you grew up, what family was like to help me imagine. I mean, what what else was he like, you know? Knowing those things, maybe he had some tendencies like how did he play board games? How did he eat cereal, you know? Uh and that going and then exploring like where those places could go. Um, and then when we talk about it, it's like, okay, how, how was I able to kind of see into who you maybe could have been, you know, if, if you did some other things that can I, was I able to glean from you things that helped me see who you actually were, you know? So it's like a bunch of things coming together to, I don't know, help me, tap into the the creative aspect of who I am and build something from little bits uh, of information. Um, and then hopefully like connect with you as, you know, the muse of the project and then with the listeners and the readers who will um, hear the podcast and maybe read the story attached to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you, I absolutely connected with the story. I mean, even though my first comment was kind of like, I don't recognize that guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think clearly I did. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of like coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I could see that happening and you know, <laughs> getting over the discomfort of that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's such a fascinating idea, you know, to go in and, and have an interview show mm -hmm. that then goes off and creates a, alternate version of the person that you've been talking to <laughs> yeah it's it's what a cool exercise um 
Yeah, I, 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 I want to hear more of them for sure. Um, I do think that mm-hmm. all of us do spend some time looking in the mirror mm-hmm. asking what if. Yeah. Uh, I, if you lie, you know, if you say that you don't, I, I'm, I'm going to call you a liar. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, it is a fascinating concept mm-hmm. to, to give some reality to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a long time ago, um, I made the decision to uh, not beat myself up for, you know, um, things I didn't get to experience because of a decision I made, right? So uh, even, you know, when, when I first started dating my wife, I tried to make it clear to her that um, when I make a decision to do this or to not do that, I don't get stuck there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand by my decision to do this. If it turns out that it was a bad decision and there are some negative repercussions, then I'll acknowledge that and, you know, deal with them as they come. But to like, oh man, I should have just done this. I should have done that. I should have. And I, I know for me, because again, I love the idea of possibilities and what ifs and, you know, where could this go? I'll just lose myself in all of the things I'm missing out on. So I have to choose to like, no, this is, this is what I chose. You know, I chose not to go on this adventure with you guys and you had a great time and I missed out, but this, this is what I chose. So I have to stand by that. And next time, knowing that you had a good time, maybe I will choose then to join you sort of thing. So, yeah. And that's a pretty mature way to do it. Cause I mean, think about how much time we lose Mm -hmm. spiraling into that cesspool of self judgment. Yeah when you could just take a breath mm-hmm. accept the reality of the situation where we were at mm-hmm. and move forward right yeah. um it's yeah. it's one it's one thing to to refuse to there's a healthy way to do that and then there's a very unhealthy way to do that right like mm-hmm. the healthy way is to kind of like okay lesson learned a moment of self-reflection mm-hmm. let's not wallow in it right yeah. or, or you can do that thing where you're just like oh well this is how it is now and just shove down any sort of reaction or lesson right. yeah. for the sake of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very fine line between those two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think I was super motivated by, I want to say it was Maya Angelou. I want to say it was her in, in a talk. She was I mean, if you're going to attribute it to anyone, good person to attribute it to. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it was her. And it was, it was like a, a collection of, um, kind of these what ifs, you know, where people get hung up on this, but she was trying to stress if you're, if you're waiting, right. For better possibilities all the time, you know, and if you're not doing this and you're not doing that because you're waiting for that better thing, you're going to spend your life missing out on everything. Right. Um, so if you're going to wait, wait, but just, just know that the doing that you, that you could be experiencing in all those things that are around you is the waiting, right? And I think she was more saying, like, you'll spend your whole life and have done nothing when you could have done this single thing or that single thing because you're waiting for this better opportunity. Uh, but I was impacted by the idea that um, if in those moments where I may choose not to do something, my doing is the decision to hold back 
right? So I'm taking everything she's suggesting as, you know, like, oh, this is a beautiful thing to look at. But I'm also taking, you know, like, I also don't want to wreck myself if, if I'm not, you know, because what if I'm missing out on something? I mean, I mean, yeah, what if I am? But what oh, if I'm not? Oh, oh. So, you know, choose and, yeah. Well, it's been, you know, just be present. Yeah. So that, that's where you know, it's, it's that thing that we it's that thing that that we get drilled into us so much when we're doing improv, right? Yeah, just be present, be in the moment, react mm -hmm. to the moment, you know, and yeah. react to it honestly. Yeah, and the same same thing applies to life. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Right on. So, anything else popping up in your head about this? Just thinking about. just thinking about the the like connective tissue of the universe that mm -hmm. i think I, I think maybe in in the in the research call when we were originally talking about the the concept of like multiple universes and mm -hmm. and how every decision branches off into like mm -hmm. another universe that exists because you made that choice yeah. it's it's interesting to think about like all right well you know if i made if I made those decisions that if I stayed you know in Lawrence and you know became an obituary writer and was doing all of that stuff um you know, would 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 the Cubs have won the World Series sooner? Right. You know, yeah. would would IO still be open? Right. You know, would would um would Conan have got to keep the Tonight Show? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going back to the like the monumental moments of history. Yeah. Um, you know, just thinking about just thinking about how the you know you never know what the butterfly effect is for, yeah. for those kind of choices. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, you know, you know, do I does my guy eventually create? Because uh, I know one of the things that's really hot right now are mechanical keyboards. Yeah, that look like typewriters. They're like Bluetooth keyboards for computers and iPads that look like really typewriters. Expensive. Yeah, yeah, they're super expensive. You know, is that other Justin's doing? Yeah, for his like fear of technology and refusing to let go. Um, you know, does he get into like typewriter, uh, enthusiast, is he a typewriter enthusiast like Tom Hanks? Right. You know, just collecting them. I don't know. Um, because I did actually for a period of time lug around like five or six typewriters, yeah, yeah. um, as, as decorative pieces. Wow. Uh, so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's, that's another piece that, that there was some truth to. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just rambling now because my brain is like starting to spiral. You said you like to daydream about different mm -hmm. realities and different yeah. possibilities and all the I different things that seeds could be. Well, now, yeah, my brain's going off like popcorn about it. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. Awesome. Well, with that, we'll bring other Justin to a close. Uh, this has been a really good conversation and um, I hope you enjoyed it as um I guess as much as I enjoyed it as the, as the host. Um, yeah, this was really cool. Um, I, re I really appreciate you, you bringing me in on this one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting. And I promise um, I'll, I'll bring you on to my podcast uh, where we just dwell on the worst decisions of your life. Okay. Not like the what if of it, but just the actual like thing that, that keeps you up at night that eats away at your brain when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Um, we're just going to do deep dives into people's worst memories. Perfect. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like it. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Uh, Justin, where can we find you on social media? 
Do you have any oh, projects um, in the works that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, so I um, I tweet at uh, JPAR0, JPAR0. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Instagram handle is the exact same. Ooh, easy, um, easy. And then, yeah, I try to keep it simple. And then all of my uh, all of my upcoming shows and projects uh, are at uh, justinparlette.com. And yeah, I'm pretty easy to find on the, on the interwebs. Um, there is like a, uh, 17 year old Justin Parlett, who is a football player in Virginia. What? We are not related though. My dad's side of the family's from Virginia, but we are not related. Yeah, very. Um, but he is not me, okay. but I think he, he doesn't show up till the second page of search results. Oh, good. So if you Google me, you should find me. And I think it's my website. I think my SEO is right. Oh, so yeah, um, no projects to plug because it's uh, late July, 2020, mm-hmm. and so going? all of my all of my live projects are dead. But I've been yeah. recording a lot of weird videos Good. and putting those up. So awesome! Check 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 check, check them out. Cool beans. Yeah. All right. So uh, at the in the description of this episode, you'll find Justin's social media handles. His website will be there. Please feel free to check that out. Um, thank you everybody for showing up. Thank you again, Justin, for being here. Um, and with that, see you next time. Bye-bye.